0: Hello and welcome to Bondcast, a podcast series where we discuss our views on the latest themes and events shaping rates markets. I'm Imogen Backra, European Rate Strategist, and I'm joined today by our global market specialists, Giles Gale and Janne Bruse. Before getting into the discussion today, I just wanted to quickly remind you to hit the subscribe button so you can listen to our latest episodes as soon as they're available. All right, we're recording this on Thursday, straight after the ECB meeting, literally hot off the press. So uh, without further ado, let's um, talk to you, Giles, and and, well, let's just go through the meeting, I suppose. Was it as you were expecting? You know, we talked last week about uh, base case expectations. Did they deliver on those?
1: Yes, depressingly, it was um, pretty much exactly as we were expecting. I think, um, and you know, perhaps the the problem here is that it was as many were expecting. So, you know, I think the the bottom line is was you know they they played it very very straight. I mean, the main thing that we were looking for, of course, was this change to the language around PEP. Um, previously, they had said, in fact, for the last six months, they've been saying that they were going to conduct PEP at a significant uh, increased pace compared to the first uh, the first few months of this year. Okay, so they've taken that out and they've said they've actually gone a little bit further than we thought. We thought we went that they might just take that out. Well, you know, I mean, if you know, I mean, you have to get down to the the actual language of these things. I mean, that's what often matters in the, in these kinds of statements. They said that they would uh, that they would conduct. Purchases at a moderately lower pace compared to the previous two quarters. So, what does that mean? Well, you know, I mean, it's up to interpretation. To be honest with you, I mean, you know, our best guess is that you know maybe it means that they're going to be doing maybe sort of ten billion ish. You know, maybe a little bit more, depending on how things go in the markets and uh, you know, what the 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 data is telling them that they they ought to be trying to do. Really, you know, what what should they be pursuing? So, um, now a lot's left. Uh, left open to the imagination, I think around that. But you know, roughly speaking, I think it was you know, in line with what markets expected. And look, I mean, we've had a, a very small rally, as you know, I guess markets just kind of, you know, I mean, they, you, know, it's, it's, you never know whether it's going to whether it's going to go like this. But you no, know, this idea of buying the rumor, selling the fact. I mean, you know, that's often the way that markets trade, and that seems to be the way that it's reacted this time around too.
0: Um. I guess the other big thing that we were looking for or the other change that we were looking for in the meeting was around the macro projections um what was her kind of assessment of the risks and how does that compare to what we're thinking about the outlook for the next sort of year and and beyond
1: they were cautious right i mean no they have been raising their forecasts all year because they i mean i suppose the downside risks haven't been materializing at the the rate which Know, ex-ante it wasn't obvious that they that they would so you know this year has overall been a story of positive surprises on the growth side and uh, you know, depending on your outlook you know, i mean positive surprises on inflation as well certainly you know, higher than expected inflation um you know i'd, I'd say you know we'll have to go back through the um the, through the text more more carefully but my overriding impression was that the assessment of risks was pretty balanced, but you know, within that, relatively optimistic, because you know, you see, Lagarde seemed to be going out of her way, really, to, to kind of you know, just acknowledge the perhaps slightly, you know, I mean, all these risks that are probably rel- you know, relatively, even very low probability, but potentially catastrophic and, you know, we're not, I guess, at a stage where you just want to sort of ignore them completely, right? So that seemed to be the way that they were going. So I would say that there's, you know, quite a bit of scope here, you know, assuming those don't you know. We, I mean, that you know, this kind of overall improvement continues, and um, you know, in particular, the COVID risks, the COVID-related ones, don't materialise. And you know, that's absolutely our our base case. I and mean, we've talked at great length on this podcast about how Europe is now you know, the the best protected region in uh, in the world, really, uh, when it comes to, to these sorts of risks. So we don't think that's going to become uh, a big issue. And you know, there you know, could be A reasonably significant um, revision again to these forecasts and the risk assessment by the time they come back to all of this in December, and that was the other sort of key message from uh, from today, that December is really going to be the next decision point. Don't expect much from them in between.
0: Yeah, I guess just to add on to that forecast as well, you know, they revised up their 2021 forecast for this year to 5%, which is below NatWest Markets base case of 5.2. But that doesn't include um, the better data that we had this week and, and the revisions that came to past data as well, because obviously that's beyond their cutoff. So even without her, I guess, more positive skew of risks, even though she said they were broadly balanced, there's kind of a natural upside to those forecasts when we get a, a refresh in December
1: yeah but I mean perhaps that's what I should have said it's all it's almost <laughs> as if you had an answer in mind Imogen
0: <laughs> <laughs> never <Sorry. laughs> combined we gave the perfect answer uh, all right then I guess that yeah I guess that, that's all we need to say really on the ECB, isn't it as expected and and come back in December pretty much so perhaps not the quiet December that we were hoping for well at least until the 16th anyway. I don't want All right to go in December.
1: Jan. I want something to happen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, fair enough. <laughs> um, Jan, then over to you, because since we last caught up, it feels like a while ago now, but actually um, we haven't discussed the weaker than expected payrolls number on last Friday, which obviously came well for us on Friday afternoon and then the US was out on Monday so the market hasn't had that long to digest it and we haven't heard much from Fred speakers since then so I still think it's worth discussing on this podcast. Um, what was our take then on on that weaker than expected number and how does that change our outlook
2: or not yeah. At all? Yeah well I mean it is it is hard to argue that the, the last jobs number that we got was was pretty weak I mean by any measures it was a sharp drop from the from the previous uh, previous couple but the the question now uh comes down to whether the markets are going to look at this as like a kind of one-off uh, one-off event that was like a I don't know, aberration or is it the start of a new trend we certainly don't think it's the start of a new trend but more likely and hopefully uh, we will see a rebound instead uh but it, it doesn't change our base case by well we still remain to stick to our base case of you know like for the taper timeline, uh, November announcement, December start. Uh, but I think what what this uh, implies is that the September Fed meeting will be uh, will not be as eventful, less of a well not necessarily as eventful, but less of a risk event on both like from a signaling point and from uh, from the dots. But on the other hand, the, the next NFP, the next jobs number that we're going to get, uh, I believe it's on October 8th, uh, will be very, very important. And uh, again, the, this ties back to the how the, you know from from an inflation uh, from an inflation point that we have cleared that hurdle. But from an employment side, there is still more uh, progress to be made. Circles back to the substantial progress, which is I guess tied to the, to the employment.
0: So as I said, we didn't hear from, well, we didn't hear from any Fed speakers on Friday when the data came out and then it was a holiday in the US on Monday. So we've really not had much to go on in terms of Fed policy, but we did have Williams um, uh, on Wednesday, yesterday. (laughs) Just getting my days mixed up. What was your assessment of of his outlook? Was he more dovish than you were expecting or pretty much in line given the, the data on Friday?
2: Uh, yeah, going into the, uh, into his speech and I have to admit, I expected it to be a little bit more of a risk event in this, in this, uh, relatively short week, but, uh, it was a more dovish on balance than what I would expect. It's hard to deny that he certainly did echo chairman Powell's speech at, uh, at Jackson Hole from the need for more progress from, you know, there's a lot more to do and, uh, uh you know, the, the slowdown by COVID. Uh, He did say that tapering might be appropriate to start this year, but the hurdle from a labor market perspective has not been met yet. So so that but element adds a little bit more, a little bit more dovishness. Again, circles back to the what is the substantial progress? Uh, When are we going to when are we going to reach it? Uh, Again, makes the October jobs number very, very important. Uh, He did say that more gains are needed. So if we get another, say, like an exceptional, well, hopefully an exceptional uh, number, I think we're pretty much back on track. Uh, he didn't necessarily comment that much on the NFP print, specifically with going details. He did say that uh, he acknowledged the slowdown, but he did say, of course, uh, it was due to COVID-related slowdown, and that isn't really surprising. I mean, the Delta variant has been the number one risk factor uh, on the Fed's dashboard for, for quite some time. And... Uh, and one more thing that is worth mentioning from that speech that I think has uh, gives another subtle hint towards the towards the modalities of the tapering process. Uh, he did say that there's a lot more than Fed's actions that uh, that that are driving housing prices up. Uh, so that kind of goes with the view that MBS purchases are not the first order of, uh, of driver for the housing prices. Uh, maybe not even like a second order. You know, it's it, it does contribute, but not as much as you know. It's widely perceived. I uh, mean, minutes had the the minutes for the previous meeting had all but confirmed, but I think this uh, definitely points in the direction that uh, purchases when when tapering starts, the tapering is likely to be equally weighted across uh, mortgage-backed securities and Treasuries rather than overweight in uh, in mortgage-backed securities. So, to summarize: it was a it was a double speech, and it did echo Chairman Powell. But uh, I think now the focus will be on the next jobs report and this mm-hmm. speech kind of. Uh, Confirm that view
0: so you're looking ahead kind of to the October jobs report and beyond the September FRMC then in in your opinion does the kind of news that we've had over the last week really no longer make the the September FRMC a, a live meeting and it's all probably about the November meeting after that is there a November meeting? October. Uh, yeah.
2: <laughs> the November, <laughs> the meeting yeah.
0: after the yeah. <laughs> October jobs report, and I can see Jazz laughing because someone else made exactly that mistake uh, live on the ECB press conference earlier. So I'm happy to follow in their footsteps.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I mean, again, it, it, I don't want to say anything about not being live meetings. I mean, it will be close to watch, but uh, we do expect an announcement in November for the for the tapering to start and unless we get like an extremely weak jobs number in October, I think we're we're pretty much
0: on track for that. All right, sounds good. So on track for a November announcement, December taper uh, and all eyes on the October meeting. So it's all about the jobs report in October and the um, ECB meeting in December. From here then, there are risk events to watch and a few things in between them, but <laughs> for monetary policy. All right, guys, thank you very much for joining me today. Um, I'd just like to uh, remind our listeners that if they like today's episode, then please hit the like button to show your appreciation and click subscribe so you can listen to our latest episodes as soon as they're available. Thanks. See you again next week.